Well, this is a beautiful and a very meaningful day. I am in Southern California visiting my mom and my sister and my brother, thinking about many years of memories and what an indescribable gift life is and how easy it is for us to miss it and to miss the beauty and to miss the gratitude. And what a profound thing it is that uh, all flesh is as the grass, it goes so fast and yet God has set eternity in the hearts of men and it is such a miracle to actually be alive and to try to live one day at a time as we're trying to do together and to take one thought that we can feed our minds to walk through a day so that we might try to become, so that we might try to claim life. And the thought for today is from a thinker a long time ago, a couple thousand years. His name was Philo, Philo of Alexandria. Alexandria was where the greatest library in the world was back then. So it was a center of learning and he was a scholar uh, he was Jewish, so he was a student of Moses, but also of Plato and Greek philosophy, and would have great impact on the early centuries of the church as it tried to integrate learning. And uh, this is the thought from him that I want to live with today and invite you to live with today. Pursue noble endeavors. Pursue noble endeavors. For even if you do not succeed, your soul will be expanded by them. Pursue noble endeavors. There is a social psychologist, Jonathan Haidt. Um, his name is spelled H-A-I-D-T, but he said a lot of people would pronounce it hate. And if you're gonna be a positive psychology guy, which he is, you don't wanna be known as Dr. Haidt. So Dr. Haidt, early in his career, would study uh, the human emotion of disgust. Disgust apparently is ubiquitous, it's in every culture, it's evoked by dead bodies, um, excrement, rotting things. And then it also carries over into moral areas, betrayal or cruelty. And after a long time studying this, he began to ask himself the question, what's the opposite of disgust? Like if I want to try to look at that, which is really good in humanity, what is the counterpoint? And it was a virtue that didn't really have a name, so he got to name it and he called it elevation. He said, when we hear stories that are uplifting to us, when we hear stories of moral courage or uh, human goodness, something happens inside of us. And uh, we actually physically, there's a common response, we'll experience a kind of lightning inside and an expansiveness in our chest, and sometimes a sense uh, at or close to tears. And this is elevation. Apparently we are wired to be inspired. And so we want to become students of elevation. We want to think thoughts that will elevate us and we want to pursue noble endeavors in our day. And they don't have to be dramatic. Dr. Hyde said one of the early great examples of this came from a college student. She was one of four students that had volunteered them with the church together, volunteered during a day at the Salvation Army. They were going back home and there was a huge snowfall going on. Ground was thickly blanketed. And when they were not far away from where they were headed, one of the men, one of the guys asked, would you let me out? And so the driver did. And this woman thought he must live close by here. He just wanted to save everybody the rest of that trip. But she looked and she saw there was an elderly woman struggling to try to shovel the snow from this blizzard. And this guy went to the woman and introduced himself and said, I see that you're trying to shovel. Would you let me do that? Could I help you? Would it be okay if I shoveled? And she said she was so moved by that, that it made her want to 
sing or shout. It was so unexpected. She went home and told her sweetmates and they all clutched at their hearts at the beauty of it. She said that she had always only thought of this guy as a friend, but for those few moments, she was actually romantically drawn to him. And Dr. Hyde says that all of us in our best selves are drawn to these moments of elevation. And of course, what we so often neglect to see is every day of our lives is a possibility to pursue noble endeavors. Very often they will be for people that can't reciprocate, that can't do anything back. I remember reading a story several years ago about a football team, high school football team, and the team manager had been with the team for four years. He had Down syndrome. Uh, he worked very hard to try to be able to go through high school along with everybody else, and he loved the team. Sometimes he would give fired up impassioned speeches in the locker room in halftime, but of course he could never play until the last game of the season when the team insisted that he be able to be in there for one snap. And so the team was getting horribly beaten. It was a shutout and the coach called the timeout and went over to the coach of the other team to ask, would it be okay if we were to allow this guy to be in there for one snap we would sometimes practice a play he said where he would take the ball and just kneel down and uh, everybody would be safe and the opposing coach said well it's okay if he plays but I don't want him to take a knee I want him to score a touchdown and uh, his coach said well we didn't practice that play we practiced the take a knee play and the other coach says well I'll tell our guys and we'll do it together and so they put him in, quarterback handed him the ball. He started to go down and everybody said, no, 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 no. And uh, the offense and the defense uh, formed a squadron around this guy. And for the defense, you know, it's kind of a big deal to have a shutout, to lose a shutout was kind of a significant thing. But this kid went in and scored and everybody cheered. Everybody lifted him up on their shoulders. And those guys that played in that game may not remember the game or the season for a long time, but they'll never forget that touchdown. Pursue noble endeavors. If you do that, it will be contagious. One of the great books of the 20th century uh, is called Lest Innocent Blood Be Shed. And it's the story of a village in France during World War II, that part of France, Vichy France, that was uh, controlled, occupied by Nazi forces. La Chambeau was a small village of about 5,000 people. It was a mostly Protestant village. They were Huguenots. They had had a long history of having to persevere in the middle of um, persecution. And so uh, when Jews began to flee into that part of France and they could not find refuge anyplace else, the people of this village said, we must help. And the title of this book, it was written by an ethicist, Philip Halley, is taken from the book of Deuteronomy that gives instructions about what in the ancient world in Israel were called cities of refuge, where if you were a fugitive, if you were on the run, if people were trying to kill you, you could go to a city of refuge. And the instruction Deuteronomy 19.10 was to take them in and protect them and guard them, lest they should be murdered and innocent blood be shed and you bear the guilt. And the people of La Chambon said, uh, we will take them in at the risk of their own lives. And over the course of World War II, they saved about 5,000 people, about 3,500 of them were Jewish. And they never took a vote. 
they had kind of code language for this. One of them would say to somebody else, I hear that your niece is visiting you this week. Yes, actually two nieces are visiting me and I hear that your cousin is with you. Oh yes, our cousin's been with us for about a week. And that a risk of their lives, they became, in the words of this big book, the village where goodness happened. Sometimes you will pursue noble endeavors in ways that um, will not be at all dramatic or glamorous. I think of a couple at the church where I served for many years, Hank and Jan Gay. And uh, 40 years ago, uh, Jan Gay, the wife, got a debilitating muscular degenerative disease. And Hank was a very successful, very effective business guy, but he took a real early retirement so that he would be able to watch over his wife. And they got a place in Hawaii where she would be able to go and wanted to make that available to folks who were on our staff and um, actually asked at one point, uh, would that be okay? And Nancy and I said, well, you know, we'll have to go to Hawaii and check the house out, which we did, and it was good. They were very generous people, but mostly Hank devoted the last decades of his life to caring for Jan on the Saturday night service at five o'clock. She would be there in a wheelchair and Hank would be next to her. And his one prayer was, God, let me outlive Jan so that I can care for her. She lived to be about 90 years old and Hank saw her to her death. And about three days later, he died too. He spent a lifetime pursuing noble endeavors. So that's your word for today. That's my word for today. Doesn't have to be dramatic. Could be something that you do for another person who will never know about it. Could be an act of service. It could be to devote yourself to trying to learn something that will expand you. I read about a woman who's 85 years old. She just got a bachelor's degree, graduated from college, didn't start till after her husband died. She was an old woman, got a degree in theology because she's looking forward to what she has yet to come. Uh, it could be in what you're gonna learn. It could be in trying to master something new. It could be in noticing. It could be just in looking at beauty and thanking God for that. Today, in small, quiet ways or large ones, in ways that will stretch you, whether or not they appear to be successful today, pursue noble endeavors and your soul will expand. I'll see you tomorrow.